participating in community events. From the few trips to the local bowling alley, it became unmistakable that there needed to be an event of such magnitude that all people in the community would join together and bond as brothers and sisters. One common, harmonious, peaceful goal, to watch a live fight, a blood-soaked boxing match. The dilemma was we did not befriend any boxers, nor did we have permission from the bowling alley to host a boxing match. These were minor complications with easy fixes. I felt that if a promotion was administered correctly and on a scale that would reach many, those minor details would iron themselves out. If word of mouth could create enough demand, the bowling alley would have no choice but to meet the bloodthirsty appetites of their constituents. As for the boxers, well, that should work itself out too. Growing up in Toledo, I noticed that if enough people get together, someone always, always ends up trying to fight someone else. It never fails. It might take alcohol, it might take loud music, it might even take a charming waitress at the bowling alley. Now, we actually did not want people fighting out in the crowd. That was a terrible idea and truly never had intentions to do so. But we still had to address who would put on some gloves and spar. We came up with the next best scenario. Fake boxers. What is a fake boxer? We had no idea. We would figure that out with the same powerful alliance that molded for handling Brian's omission of letter responding. Brad took some pictures of me in a boxing stance for a flyer that we're going to hang around town. I took pictures of him yesterday, so we're going to announce a bout between his character and mine. Ha! His idea. Calms, 2-27-2000. The fictitious fight card had been set. Spud Fligger versus Archie the Slapper Wonkle. There would be no need for weigh-ins. Next was the key and perhaps most essential task, the promotion. Every fight requires a promotion, including the fake ones. I then picked up the photos and we went to a copy place to print out the boxing slash karate flyers that Brad had made on his word processor. I have never seen anything so dang funny. I could look and laugh at these flyers for the rest of my life and be satisfied with it. We went to Kalispell to hang up a few, then hung ten more in Whitefish. Brad and I laughed at our flyers for a long time, just basking in our own comedy. Calms 3 1 2000. At the turn of the century, hanging up flyers fostered the most effective way to give an advertising campaign some muscle on a tight budget. Flyers were especially influential in the absence of social media or immediate access to the Internet. By going around in the target community with dozens, perhaps hundreds of copies of information relevant to whatever may be promoted, the reach is immeasurably increased. They posted on telephone poles, bulletin boards, shop windows, and perhaps anything else with a dry surface area that might catch someone's attention. Past use of flyer dispersal had been an integral part of successfully promoting our band concerts, comedy shows, club activities, and even smear campaigns. Short of going on the local radio station or printing an ad in the local newspapers, the flyers were the best approach to get the word out to our audience. Despite the fact that a fake fight appeared a novel concept in a mostly unfamiliar community, this wide-reaching promotion established a foolproof engagement.
an assured success. We had ten days to let this animal feed on itself. Ten days to allow the mayor of Whitefish to address crowd control. The newspapers would backfill their own stories. Sponsors would surely be lining up at the door to settle once-in-a-lifetime chances to push their products and services to the community, creating their own awareness. The motel would be marked up 300% with no vacancy. Whitefish was about to host their own Super Bowl, and this time, it would not be on the radio. The Prince of Flathead County With a momentum riding on promoting a fake fight, Andy had also finished a painting for our dear friend Ross. Being that Andy preferred to hand-deliver the painting to him in Nashville, there resurrected a need to present the work prior to that undetermined later date somehow with a photo. But he needed to be presentable for his photo. He needed some grooming. Fight promotions and completed paintings call for haircuts. I was no Paul Mitchell but knew one design all too well. I perfected this style a year before in Nashville, compelled by Andy's desire to impress a girl through more of his trademark shock humor, and that attraction is well documented. Having no courtship skills, same as I, we had to figure out what might give him an edge in wooing a lovely damsel. What do all women love? Princes. Women cannot resist a charming prince. And so, the bangs were cut unusually short. The side and back must be the same lengths, completely around, with a slight curl at the front. The hair must be lengthy enough to cover the ears. Ears reveal weakness. Ears show peasantry. The prince cut had itself an encore. The haircut apt for an old English prince, heir to the throne. Though, in the case of the first cut, his targeted damsel would respond to the masterpiece with uncontrollable laughter instead of overpowering love. Not quite the outcome he had in mind. There would be no wedding between him and his flame. A bittersweet ending it was, but it may have been for the best. With a haircut indicative of a prince, surely a successive wedding would require a heralded event of matching elegance. A matrimony worthy of a prince and princess would cost more than anyone could afford. The stakes were lower this time around. After I took a long shower, I let my hair fall freely about my head. Brad pointed out the way my long hair makes me look rather ratty, gnarly. I always come to that conclusion when I try to grow out my hair, and I always cut it. Before I go all the way short, I agreed to give myself the prince cut for Brad's entertainment. I'll cut it off in a few days, despite Brad's wishes for me to keep this goonie do. The intense look on Brad's face as he cut the back of my hair made it all worth it. I look so dumb. It's a tad depressing. Calms 3-9-2000 Fighting out of Whitefish, Montana Fight night had arrived like no other. This would be the day that Whitefish would undoubtedly remember for eternity. Surely a holiday would be legislated to commemorate and reminisce upon the brightest moment in the finest town in Montana, March 10th. The same day Abraham Lincoln had selected Ulysses Grant to command the Union Army back in 1864, who then marched on to write himself further into the history books with successive glorious victories that dealt an end to the Confederacy. 
The plan warranted an inconspicuous arrival. Disguised as just another humble member of the community, Andy had his prince haircut sharpened to perfection with a noble curl at the front of each side. I concealed my fake teeth that were used in the flyer as Spud Fligger, one of the thousands to witness how a fake fight at a bowling alley in Montana would self-construct. Would actual fighters fly in? Was there a hometown hero ready to showcase the uncanny speed and elite footwork? How would a blue-chip bowling alley event staff address the varied amenities? Where would they put a ring? I would assume they might strip up the flooring on the bowling lanes or perhaps build some temporary structure raised from the floor to accommodate such a stage fit for gladiators. Seating would have to be limited indoors, but an enormous screen outside would quarter thousands. We left a tad early from the cabin to ensure the commute would get us to the event without a hitch. The enormity of the situation called for a limousine, but by no means could we betray the aloha. The traffic seemed ordinary, and the air congealed. Only the chanting of Wonkle, Wonkle, Wonkle could evaporate the overpowering tension. Where would the overflow parking be? We did not have any cash on hand, in the despicable chance some greed overtook this harmonious event, preventing fee-free parking. Nor did we bring any supplies or refreshments to tailgate with as a wholesale precursor to the festivities. Perhaps some fine mountain women would solicit our participation amidst their fish fry. When we arrived at the bowling alley, the scene had exceeded our expectations. The reason for our late outing was to see if anyone showed up for our advertised karate-slash-boxing show at the pin and queue. Nothing! I was not disappointed because I didn't expect anything. I only hoped. Nobody even seemed to notice my prince cut. Calms 3-10-2000 By the term exceeded, I mean something that does not mean be greater in number or size than, nor did it mean to be better than, surpass, the overall turnout was the only thing that fell flat on its face from repeated blunt trauma that evening, a promotion that seemed to counter-promote somehow, a seemingly slow night for a Friday at the bowling alley. I gazed upon the vacant parking lot, virtually the size of half a football field, in spiraling confusion. The beautiful community would not celebrate March 10th, for they might as well expunge the day from the calendar altogether and just utilize February 29th annually. What went wrong? Was it because we had underestimated the viewership participation of the 16th Soap Opera Digest Awards, our only global competition for that night? Was a boxing match too violent for such a peaceful mountain town? Did agents from the Nashville Library run a counter-promotion campaign to stifle interest? An estimated 357,817 babies would go on to be born on March 10, 2000 throughout the world. Yet, it is doubtful that any newborns were named after the fake fighters Archie or Spud. Chuck Norris would turn 60 on this day. We could have enlisted Chuck Norris to fight on his 60th birthday, but who would dare compete against him? The embarrassment became a lot to swallow. No prime opportunity to serve our delusions of grandeur a full-course meal. The time at the cabin approached the finish line, and the only thing that we learned thus far 
was how to unsuccessfully promote a fake fight in Montana. I hung my head in reluctant shame, knowing I couldn't be blamed one bit for the outcome, much like this memoir. It's not my fault no one showed up, and it's not my fault I don't promote fake fights at bowling alleys no more.